You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. You may turn to 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be in chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. But before we review last week, uh, before we jump into the scripture this morning, our text this morning, I would like to ask us a series of questions. It's almost a uh, gut check, if you will, of of questions to ask ourselves uh, to kind of get us in the right frame of mind about where our hearts are, our motives for the decisions we make. Why do we say what we say? Why do we do what we do? Uh, Some of those things. Uh, So question number one is this. If no one ever knows what I'm doing, giving, serving, or sacrificing, would I still do it? If nobody ever knew. If there was no visible payoff for doing this, would I still do it? Would I joyfully take a lesser position if God asked me to? Joyfully being the key word there, right? Am I doing this for the praise of others or how it makes me feel? That's a tricky one. Because it feels good when we serve. If I had to suffer for continuing what God has called me to do, would I continue? Sixth question is this. If others misunderstand or criticize my actions... Will I stop? If those whom I am serving never show gratitude or repay me in any way, will I still do it? That's like a punch in the gut. Do I judge my success or failure based upon my faithfulness to what God has asked me to do or how I compare with others? So if we answered any of those questions honestly, I realized that I basically just took a sledgehammer to our positive atmosphere and our outlook (laughs) on how things are going this morning and smashed it into a million pieces. But here's the good news. It's only going to get better from here, right? If you start low, the only way left is to go up. So now that that's out of the way, let's do a quick reminder of last week. Last week, our sermon was on nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. We talked about suffering through our text in the first couple of verses of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And, and we, we discovered that there were three different types of suffering that one can face. There's a deserved suffering where we deserve it because we sinned. You know, it's a consequence. It's on us. There's innocent suffering. There's a suffering because of a natural disaster. There's suffering because of circumstances beyond our control that just happen in life. Because our world is full of sin and chaos. And then there's righteous suffering. That's where we are following God. We are doing our best to serve Him with our lives. We're living sacrificially as best as we are able to by God's grace. And we are being persecuted for it. Nothing is wasted. 
And three responses, three appropriate biblical responses when we suffer, regardless of which suffering it is, deserved, innocent, or righteous, is with gratitude. We should give thanks in everything, even deserve suffering. Because that means there's a righteous and holy God. With hope, because all things can work together for the good of those who love Jesus and who are in Christ Jesus our Lord, uh, Christ Jesus our Lord, as it says in Romans eight twenty eight, and with perseverance, because that per- that perseverance it produces endurance. That endurance produces a mature follower of Christ, as it tells us in James chapter one. Nothing is wasted, and guys, we can appropriately respond to suffering. And going back to the illustration of how a plant grows and what it needs to grow, the watering of God's word in our lives through our personal time of study, our our time together corporately, times of being together in a small group during the week, maybe in other avenues, maybe Saturday morning as the men meet and the women when they meet and have their groups. Youth on Wednesday night, there's multiple avenues for that. Sunlight through prayer. You know, a plant needs water, sunlight, fertilizer. So sunlight being like prayer, where we are communicating with God. We're not going to him and telling him about all the things we need and we want. We're going to him in humility, saying, Lord, let my will come underneath your will. Conform me, mold me, shape me into who you want me to be. Show me how I can better respond to you. And then the fertilizer, the smelly part, the, the, uh, the dirty part, that's through community, right? Because we all bring some sin into it. And so that's where things can get messy, can get awkward. That's where we can not like to be a part of community at times. But we need it. We still need it in our growth. And God designed us to not go at this alone. He designed us to walk, lock arm in arm with Faithful brothers and sisters in him. Not perfect brothers and sisters in him, but faithful ones, redeemed ones, saved ones, just as we are. If we've been forgiven much, we have much that we should also forgive. So this morning, as we continue into the journey at the heart of Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, we will be looking at the heart of the matter which is this morning's title. And so we're going to be reading 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 through 8. And uh, if you're willing and able, would you stand with me while we read this text? 1 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 8. Feel free to read it out loud with me if you'd like. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or in an attempt to deceive... Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please people, but rather God, who examines our hearts. For we never used flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness. And we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles. Instead, we were gentle among you as a nurse nurtures her own children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, 
because you had become dear to us. Amen. You may be seated. So what would that be like? What would that be like for us to be able to honestly say that what we spoke and the decisions we made, how we acted, were without error, as Paul said that he and Sylvanus and Timothy did with the Thessalonians, that it would be without impurity, without any intent to deceive, no selfish motivation, to please God, not man. To be able to truthfully answer those questions proposed earlier that I opened with, the Debbie Downers, if you will, with what we know is the right answer. And to others around us, that we would be gentle, hospitable, like a mother nursing her baby. I mean, I don't know if there is another illustration that would invoke that kind of a precious, gentle, loving, caring feeling that we could come up with as humans than as a mom who truly loves her brand new baby as she is feeding them. Paul was able to honestly say this about him, Sylvanus, Timothy, and how they acted to the Thessalonians. Most of us, we can operate in a manner of manipulating and using people to get what we want. We will place burdens on people and expect them to fill our needs of something that we have no right to place that burden on them to fulfill that need in our, heart, in our lives. And if you're sitting there thinking, you just described my spouse or my sibling or so-and-so, hang on. You know the old illustration when you're pointing at somebody else, you got three or four pointing back at you? Okay, let's pause and make sure we are all remembering that for a minute. <laughs> Take that person out of your mind. We're going to work on our own hearts here. We'll let God work on their heart, okay? Because we can't fix them. We can't change them. In fact, we can't even fix ourselves, really. Only Jesus Christ can do that through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can also exaggerate our words, can't we? Not just on fish stories or hunting stories or shopping stories or fill-in-the-blank we do it so that we look better or more important or to get what we want. We can serve with the motive so that they, in turn, the person you're serving, will maybe serve you back or owe you something. In Genesis 8.21, God says, For the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. Ouch. Jesus reiterates this in Matthew 15, 19, For from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, slander. Maybe you're like me and sometimes you can find yourself driving down the road or, or doing some, something, dishes, cooking, whatever, mindless tasks, so to speak, and all of a sudden it's like Satan hacks your brain and sends all these pop-ups in your mind, the screen of your mind of things, you're just like, where in the world did that come from? What's going on? Things like, I just can't even about that person. Are you kidding me? That guy's just flat out a moron. 
if I fudged a little bit on this invoice I need to send out, then we could... You know what? My wife hasn't been interested in me in a while. I deserve to... Maybe if I was a tree, my husband might pay more attention to me. I bet her husband treats her well. I wonder what it would be like to be married to him. It's not really robbing from family, job, or God if I drink a Red Bull and stay up all night tonight because I want to... I just want to get wasted and escape this. Is it just me or have any of you guys had those pop-ups too? Or another version. Scripture tells us in Romans 7, in fact, Paul also, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote this, that we are of the flesh, that nothing good lives within our flesh, and that there's a war going on inside us between our flesh, sin, and the truth. But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And that is what defiles a person, is what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 18. And because of this, in Proverbs 4, 2, it says, We must guard our hearts above all else, for it is the source of life, getting back to the heart of the matter. The battleground is our heart. It's not against flesh and blood. Other people, the battleground in our own selves is our heart. And that is where the war is waging. Also in Romans 7, Paul is saying, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? He gives the answer in 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what was it then that allowed Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to be able to honestly, humbly, and confidently say that they spoke and taught without error, without impurity, any intent to deceive? No selfish motivation. Can you imagine how good you'd sleep at night knowing you could say that about how you spoke that day? I would sleep probably better than I ever have in my life. They acted and spoke to please God, not man. And by pleasing God, they were gentle and they were hospitable. They knew the truth of these passages in Proverbs 16, 2, that all a person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the motives. In Jeremiah 17, 10, I, the Lord, examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. Our actions, our choices, they deserve death. I'm just calling it like it is. That's what we all deserve. When we sin, we deserve death. God created us to worship him. When we sin, it keeps us from worshiping him. It keeps us separated from him. What this has to do the very thing that we are going to be observing this morning. You see, we're going to be observing communion after a little bit here. And we observe it because of the good news, the answer to our problems, the answer to our problem of sin, our hope. 
Here's where it starts getting better. What is the good news? The good news is the gospel. It's the best news. It's better than winning the lottery. It's better than a promotion. It's better than getting pregnant after not being able to. It's better than if your loved one you lost and missed came back to life. It's that good. From the very beginning of time, God created mankind to be in fellowship and communion with him way back in the garden when he created the first man and woman. And you can read about that in the book of Genesis. God gave them a choice in the garden to remain in intimate fellowship with him, literally walking with him in the garden, feeling no shame, regardless of their clothing. Or to disobey him and sin and eat from the one tree in the whole garden that he said not to. Why did he put the tree there? So they could have that choice. As you can't truly choose something if you don't have the opportunity to reject something. After that, every human being alive has a default button that's pushed and locked in. And that default button is that we will sin. That is how we are from the beginning. Have you heard the saying where uh, babies are cute so that we don't hurt them? I mean, because they're the most selfish creature on the planet, right? <laughs> I mean, wah, feed me. Wah, change me. Wah, you're not sleeping. I'm not sleeping. Wah, my teeth hurt. Wah. I mean, good thing they're so cute. And I've got a wonderful granddaughter coming here in a couple of months, and I can't wait to hear her cry, even if it's going to be a selfish cry. And as they get older, right, as they're toddlers, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? The terrible twos, the thunderous threes. All of mine were in the threes. We were like, oh, shoot, we missed it. And then three, when they turned three, we were like, oh, what happened? <laughs> kind of blindsided us. Yeah. Thank the Lord he keeps them small, right, so that they don't kill us. <laughs> because they would. Give me a snack. No. Ah, you know? We have a default of sin. Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned, all do sin, fall short of God's glory. You see, that sin, it requires a payment. You're like, Matt, I know this. I've heard this my whole life. Okay, that's great. Did you live a perfect life yesterday? Or this morning? guess what? We need to hear it again. I need to hear it again. Sin requires payment. If it didn't, we couldn't survive. If there was not retribution or consequences for sin, it would be impossible to live and survive. It requires a death, a sacrifice. And in that garden, God did so through an animal. Knowing that that was an imperfect sacrifice, a temporary sacrifice. Knowing before he created us that one day he would send his son, Jesus Christ. To pay the ultimate, perfect, final sacrifice. It's still not sounding like good news yet, Matt. Hang in there.
Hang in there. See, when Christ sent Jesus to earth, when God sent Jesus to earth, did I say Christ? When God sent Jesus to earth, you see, Jesus was equal with God the Father. Jesus willingly submitted to God, humbled himself to that which he created. There is no other religion, there is no other theism out there, whatever you want to call it, that the so-called Buddha, main person, prophet, whatever, humbled themselves to this place. See, every other one is all about what we do to earn our way. In Christianity, it's, it's about what he did. And he humbled himself. And as we come up on this Christmas season coming up, remember that. Guys, the Son of God went through a woman's birth canal. I mean, we couldn't humble ourselves to that extent without supernatural intervention. And then he lived here on earth. Not for a couple of days. Well into manhood. Into his 30s. Living a perfect, sinless life. Feeling what we feel. Humidity. Freezing temperatures. Sweat. A sore back leaning over, working on carpentry and woodworking. I'm splinters. Cutting himself, I'm sure, while working with sharp tools. Had to go to the bathroom. We forget that. We don't stop and think and meditate on how much he actually chose to go through and went through. <laughs> a f- very close friend of mine just recently lost his dad, and he was helping his dad at the very last day or two <laughs> into the bathroom, and he didn't make it on time. And uh, boy, they finally got him all cleaned up and back to his chair, and he just said, his two boys were helping him, and his, his sons were older than me. And, son, and he looked at his boys and goes, that's the last time I'm ever doing that, boys. <laughs> and he passed away, never did it again. And you're like, man, I mean, he's with the Lord today and celebrating. He's like, boys, that's the last time I'm going to have to do that. You know what I mean, can you imagine that day? That's the last time I got to go do that. <laughs> Jesus had to do that while he was here on earth. And guys, he could have called down legions of angels. He could have spoke the words and humanity ceased to exist. He spoke the words and it came into being. But he didn't. He allowed himself to be arrested, caught, tried in the middle of the night, beaten, tortured, responding in gratitude, responding with perseverance, responding with the hope set before him, like it says in Hebrews 12. The best part of this story, guys, is that he didn't stay dead. 
the best part of this story is that he defeated death. Therefore, our sin was paid for. And we now have the opportunity and the privilege to be in an intimate, loving relationship with God the Father, His Son, and the Holy Spirit because of His sacrifice, what He did on the cross. Have you stopped and thought about this recently? Has it, has it slapped you in the face? Has it taken your breath away? It should. It should take our breath away. Not, oh yeah, he did. And we move on to the next thing. Tell me more about how I need to handle a friend that's bothering me, Matt. Tell me more how I quit being addicted to pornography, Matt. Tell me more about how I might actually decide to like my husband again, Matt. This is how. The good news of the gospel of what Christ did on the cross. And it is through him and that same power that he had used to rise from the dead, defeat death, that he will give us. Because he accomplished it. You're not going to earn it. Not one of us can. Not one of us can. So today, we need to turn to him either for the first time or back to him. And we need to turn from those impurities, the deceitfulness, the selfishness in our hearts, the manipulating of others. This is the heart of the matter. That our hearts would beat and sink with his. That we would plug in to Christ through his word, through prayer, through time together. We would be synced up with him. So those pop-ups are rejected, thrown in the trash bin. It's the choice is will we bow to him today? our life here on earth or will or will we say no thanks I think I know better I think I'm going to try this on my own and bow to him later when you don't have the choice anymore so we're all going to bow in that we don't have a choice some of us will bow in reverence and awe and praise and thanksgiving and sing for all eternity how great is our God and for some, it will be out of sheer terror and fear. As you will be unclean on your face before the holy and living God. So, as we celebrate communion this morning, as we observe that together, because of his death on the cross, because of the resurrection, those who have chosen to follow him, this is what we do, to observe that, to celebrate that, to remind that.
We have four tables. Actually, two in the back. Sorry, we don't have anything on these. There is? Oh, it's, it's hidden. It's camouflage. Okay. It's covered up. All four tables have elements. I would encourage you to just take a moment. There where you're at, maybe with your spouse, with your kids. Reflect on this good news. Reflect that he is the source. He is the heart of the matter. He is who allows us, allowed Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to have the right motives in what they said and what they did. And if you don't know him, he's calling you. He is calling you. He desires to know you. He would not have sent his son if he did not. Will you answer him today? I hope so. I hope so. So Lord, as we enter into this time of communion, I I just ask God that you would just speak directly to each individual person's heart in this room. I love that you can do that. God, that I can know you intimately and personally and you can speak to me and you can do that at the same time with each person in this room, with each person sitting in a church or in their home today all across the world. God, that we'd be overwhelmed, that it would, it would take our breath away for what you have done. That you desire to be in a relationship with us, Lord. That you paid this debt for the glory of the Father, for our sake, so that we might know you and experience joy and satisfaction and completion and the only thing that can bring that on this side of heaven, a loving personal relationship with you. Continue to be here with us, Lord. Amen. As you're done in your chair, feel free to get up and grab the elements. Come back and have a seat. I'm filled with fear When I'm buried deep in anxious thought And no way out is clear When I'm overwhelmed Stumbling in the dark When I feel alone And worry churns me up, tears me apart I need you I need you And I'll call for you As a son to his father And I'll think on you The rock on which I stand And I'll run to you My shelter My only firm foundation And the one who loves me I know 
security My hope for life My joy and peace My identity Are all bound up in Christ And forgive me Lord For I am weak In my faith and trust and obedience Your standard I can't keep So I need you I need you Yes, I need you I need you I'll call for you As a son to his father I think on you The rock on which I stand And I'll run to you My shelter My only firm foundation And the one who loves me more Than I know By your grace My future is secure By your blood to death I cling no more And you rose my heart to be restored Now you wait with saints you've gone before And I will walk the streets of heaven by your side The Lord Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup, and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. Do this in remembrance of me. And as we close our time together this morning, I wanted to share two more thoughts with you. Let's look, at, let's look at verse 4 again in our text. Verse 4, it says this, Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts. And I believe there's two truths in this verse that is the, is the how of this morning, if you will. First, being approved by God being approved by God. See, he's made the payment. He's made the payment on the cross. And the being approved by God is our surrendering to him, confessing our sin to him, believing in him. 
And as we grow in our faith and as we pursue him, just like we would somebody else, somebody here, we would choose to get to know them by spending time with them, by, by getting to know them, learning what they like and dislike. We do that through the scriptures with God. We do that through prayer. And as we do that, he will continue to approve us. He will continue to transform us. As we looked at last week, sometimes even through suffering, we will be tested because we're stubborn. We don't grow without a little conflict, without a little hard times. Plants don't grow and stay healthy and strong through the hard times without having seasons of drought where their roots grow deep and strengthen and go deeper for where the water is. And we have promises like this that we can anchor in on. Second Thessalonians 3.3 3, But the Lord is faithful. He is faithful. He will strengthen and guard you from the evil one. He never backs off on this. If we feel like he has, we got to check ourselves on where we're at. Not where he is. He's always there. The second truth, the second how, if you will, out of this verse for our passage this morning is that our lives would be about pleasing God. Not ourselves. Not others. Are there any of the firstborns in the room? We got like six out of the eight of us in my family. It's weird. Ask me about it later. Not saying that it's true of every single firstborn, but a lot of times a tendency for us, and not just us, but others, is that we want to please. But that we would be about pleasing God and not man. How? I'm going to keep pounding it till I'm living it every day of my life. And I'm just going to assume that you need to be right there with me on it. And that's the great commandment and the great commission. The GC squared life. Loving God of the great commandment. Loving others around us. Also the great commandment out of Matthew 22. And the great commission. How best we love God. How best we love others by making disciples of others. Matthew 28. Not to get notches on our belt, not to convert people, not to sell something, but to share the best news. The best news. If we had the cure for cancer and we had somebody we knew who had it, would we withhold that from them? No. Another promise of God we can anchor in on and trust. This is up in the guy's bathroom. Maybe it's in the girl's bathroom too. I don't know. Psalm 1611. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. I'm going to read it again because sometimes we can get caught up in thinking that God is not about pleasure. He is not about our happiness or our joy. And that's false. False. 
God, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Think on that this week. That's a great verse to memorize. All the verses are, but that's a really good one to remember when you're in those moments, when you're feeling down, when those pop-ups are coming up, to be reminded in his presence is abundance of joy. He will reveal the path of life to us at his right hand or eternal pleasures, not the illusion of this substance, not the illusion of giving into this sin, not the illusion of pleasing man or getting what we think we want. Those fly away like a leaf in the wind. The strength and the source of the power to accomplish, guarding our hearts, living out in a manner worthy of how Paul and Silvanus and Timothy and many, many other believers have. A life where we can say that we spoke without error. We acted with no impurity. We were in it to please God and not man. A life where we can say, you know what, I was hospitable. I cared for you with not only by sharing the gospel, but also sharing my life with you. To be able to say that in confidence. To please God and not man. Allow him to work on you. That's the hardest muscle to, to flex, isn't it? And it's not a flex, it's a relax, it's a letting go. That's one of the hardest things to do, isn't it? Let go of that illusion of control. I can say it's hard because <laughs> it's hard for me. Thanks for being here today, New Life. I pray that God would continue to minister to each one of us as we go this week. I pray that his face would shine upon us, that he would go before us, he would surround us with his love and mercy and kindness and grace, that we would be his light, that we would be all about pleasing him. Amen and amen.